Thank you for joining us today for the ministry of the word at Foundation Church. We pray that what you hear today will be as much of a blessing for you as it was for the people of our congregation. Well, greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our friend. You know, it's kind of a neat thing when you go away and when you come back, everybody's glad that you're here. It started when we pulled in the driveway and uh, kids are coming outside and wanting to see us. And then the dog, our dog went crazy. Our dog was like, like, like somehow our dog had known we were gone and he's like, I mean, imagine the, he's, he's running in circles. He's slamming against the wall. He's, he's, you know, I'm like, now that's how I like to be welcomed. You know, somebody's glad to see me. And uh, even pulling up to church today, uh, little ones coming out, standing by the car door, little ones running up here. Glad to see me. What a wonderful thing. We're so thankful to be in a beautiful place. Psalm 16 is one of those beautiful place psalms. It's a psalm that reminds us of the goodness of God and how what he's given us we can be thankful for and that what he offers us is beautiful. And as we come to Psalm 16, I actually did it today in the amplified version just to give us a little different flavor of it. I know we've heard it before. Um, but it says, keep and protect me, O God, for in you I have placed my trust and found refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good besides you. And for the saints, the godly people who are in the land, they are the majestic and the noble and the excellent ones in whom is all of my Delight. I know what that's like to come here and to see you. You guys are the people that God has given me to live life with. And I'm so thankful for you. The sorrows of pain and suffering of those that have chosen another God will be multiplied because of their idolatry. I won't pour a drink offering out or blood, nor will I take the names upon my lips of their gods. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance, my cup. He is all I need. Everybody say, he's all I need. You support my lot. The boundary lines of the things that you have given me have fallen out for me in pleasant places. What's he doing, guys? He's just being thankful. You know, it's like looking out the window and seeing the snow and saying, you know, thank you, Lord. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my heart and my mind instructs me in the night. I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory. My innermost self rejoices. My body, too, will dwell confidently in safety, for you will not abandon me, neither to the netherworld, the place of the dead. Nor will you allow your Holy One to under, undergo decay. You will show me the path of life and in your presence is fullness of joy. And in your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Isn't that a beautiful psalm? That's the truth of, 
about God, and that is a soul that revels in the loveliness of a personal God who's not just our Lord. He's not just our master. He's just not the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is our friend. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us, for not just winding up the world like a clock and letting it go or creating something and walking away, Lord, but making it and making me, making it for me. Lord, you made the world for man to have dominion over. And even though we mess things up, Lord, you are giving it back to us, even in our disobedience and sin. Lord, your goodness, your mercy and your grace abounds, Lord. Your mercies that are made new every morning give us such joy and hope. Today, as we come to you confessing the reality of our current state, yet looking with even more hope to what you are doing in us that will last for eternity, Lord, we long to hear your word that we might be changed and be one step closer to what we will always be, which will be complete and like you. Help us, Lord Jesus, to rejoice in you today. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said. Remain standing as I read for you my text today from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to read just the first three verses, but I'm going to preach the whole chapter today. And um, my sermon today is called Nothing Without Love. You guys like that? I actually sent Josh a picture of Aslan with his mane cut off and the two little girls sitting with him on the stone table, but they couldn't find a good resolution on that, but greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And if you don't know, this is from... The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis's story where, of course, Aslan represents Christ. And he's there with the little girl. Because God's just like that. 1 Corinthians 13.1 says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity... I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Everybody say nothing. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And we thank you, Lord, that you are teaching us to love like you do. Lord, that 
as John recorded in our New Testament reading today from 1 John chapter 4, that your love is being matured and perfected in us. That is the essence of the life of Christianity. Lord, let it be the essence of our lives. In Christ's name and all God's people said, amen. I don't really have the exact quote in front of me because I didn't know I was going to share it. But one of the great saints uh, of the church, Saint Augustine of Hippo, who our son of Valiant is named after, Valiant Augustine, you may not know that's his middle name, but it is. He once said, when the church is doing what the church should be doing, that it is the school of love. And I'll tell you what's been percolating in my mind ever since then. I could just imagine on that old brick building right over there, right out on the main road, a big, beautiful sign that says the old school of love. You know, that's what they call, they call this the old school. Everybody calls it the old school already. It already has a name, the old school. We keep, what do we call it, guys? The old school. So I can't even hardly say we're going to church. I'm like, we're going to this, we're going to the school. But I hope that what we are in today is the school of love. Everybody say the school of love. Come on, do you guys like that? I kind of like that. I don't know what will happen with that. I don't know if we'll do anything with that, but I can just see it. I can see the people in town. You know, you go down there past the old school of love and you turn there at the hardware store and, and uh, where, you know, so, so where's that event? It's happening at the school of love. Oh, it is. What's that? I mean, can't you, can't you kind of, I can kind of feel it. I don't know. All right. So we begin here in 1 Corinthians 13 and the context is important. You know, the book of 1 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul, and it was written uh, in a time where he was very disturbed and bothered by the Corinthians. And when I say disturbed and bothered by them, because they were a mess. Everybody say, they were a mess? And I'm a mess too. That's right. And so it was written for their edification and for yours and for chapter after chapter after chapter. What the Apostle Paul does is he straightens them out where they won't deal with sin, where they uh, find themselves being denominational in their thinking. They got to be a part of this group or they got to be a part of that group. And they found their identity in what group they were in instead of their identity in Christ. He chides them for their unwillingness to, uh, to love each other and to, to deal with things in a loving manner. And he's reproving them. In fact, later he even uh, apologizes in 2 Corinthians going, you know that? That was pretty heavy stuff I wrote and it was pretty rough, but I really needed to write it. And I was really kind of sorry because I love you so much, but I was roughing you up. Well, in the manner of roughing them up and correcting them and showing them where they're wrong, he stops right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to teach them something that we're going to be talking about today. Because he wasn't done teaching them, he had more to teach them. Imagine living in a day where 
someone is preaching a sermon and while they're preaching a sermon, fire appears on their head and 3,000 people, you know, well, at first it was 120 uh, fire. There was a sound of a wind and they were speaking in the languages of the Parthians and the Medes and the Elamites and the dwellers of Mesopotamia and all this was going on. They're watching all this incredible stuff happening around them. People are uh, reaching down and taking the hand of a man who's been paralyzed for 50 years. And it's not Jesus this time. It's Peter and John. And he's picking them up and they're getting up and they're walking and they're jumping and they're leaping and they're praising God. We're living in a time where uh, the apostle would be preaching and a man falls out of a window down on the ground and he dies. And the apostle walks over Sister Joy and he says, come on, you're all right. And he comes back to life. Imagine living in a time like that. Well, Paul was uh, helping them to understand that we serve a supernatural and involved God who not only interjects himself, but he gives us gifts so that we can do things too. The Bible tells us that when the apostle Peter would walk, that the very shadow of his body passing over people would heal people. And you might go, well... I mean, if I heard something like that happen, it'd probably be like, you know, that's probably not real. I mean, God wouldn't do anything like that because God doesn't want to make anybody look like a big deal. Well, he apparently didn't mind doing it for Peter. The Bible said that they would pray for handkerchiefs. They would take a handkerchief and they would anoint it and they would pray for it. And they didn't even have to go, Joy Their handkerchief would go and, and it would go over to their house. And when the handkerchief would get there, the healing would come. Now, guys, could you imagine living in a day like that? They were coming to church. People were in the church. And what happened on the day of Pentecost was happening in their churches. Here they were. People were speaking in tongues. And then somebody else would go, I know what they're saying. And then they would tell everybody what the people are saying. Could you imagine living in a day like that? They were living in a day. And that is exactly what was going on. People would be serving each other in a church and, and they would be, you know, kind of hanging out and someone would go and they would, they would walk up and they would go, Sister Ashley, God's put something on my heart and I just, I just, it's bothering me and it's all over me and I can't think about it. And I gotta, I gotta tell you what it is. And, and, and they'd say it to Ashley and then Ashley would break down and she would go, how do you know that? How do you know what I was thinking? How do you know what I was feeling? How do you know what I was going through? And, and they weren't understanding that the, the power of God, God had taken his Holy Spirit and he had put it inside of his people and they were doing amazing things. They could see things, they could understand things, they would speak and it would not even be their own words, but it would be God's. Paul would write, Peter would write, they would write, and when they wrote, the letters they wrote were not just letters, they were the holy, inspired word of God that heaven and earth will pass away, but the words that they wrote with their hands would not pass away. And you go, well, you know, uh, you know men can't really do great things. Well, you better believe they can do great things, because if you don't, then you need to throw this away. This was written by men's hands. 13 books of the New Testament are written by a man who probably busted his hand on a nail and had black and blue fingernails. The Bible says that the man that wrote 13 books of the New Testament was a man who was beaten, who was stoned, who was drowned, who was killed, who was treated. He said, oftentimes I died. I don't even know what that means. 
But obviously he wasn't impervious to pain. Obviously he wasn't perfect. If you read his diatribe in 2 Corinthians, you'll find that this guy is going on and on and on and on. He goes, I'm talking like a fool. I'm talking like a madman, but I got to say what I got to say. And he's talking and he's being extremely human. And he'll even go, what I'm saying is it's not even the Lord. It's just me talking. It's just your brother. And they were living in a day and age where they were having to reconcile that the God of heaven, that it appeared to Moses before a burning bush, that calmed the sea of Galilee for the disciples, wasn't just in a single location anymore. He was in all of them. That's pretty rocking. But of course, that's not true anymore. Right? Folks, if you don't understand that what we have, the Paul said, this treasure that we have is in what? Is in earthen vessels. Do you understand the power of, of you? When the Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue, we think more like this, Stephen. You know, I say the right thing. Somebody might get killed or someone might, you know, it's more than that. The power of life is in your tongue. Do you know the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? Do you know, Rebecca, you can speak God's word to someone who is dead in their trespasses and sins. They don't know God. Their, their, their life is destroyed. They're broken in every way. And you can speak God's word to them. And the Bible says faith will come by hearing the word of God. And if you think, well, well, we just need to get holy men and put them on loudspeakers. No, no, it says, it says, but how can they hear except someone goes and tells them? And how can they go tell it if someone doesn't send them to do it? And that's what we should be doing every week in this church. We should be going. Remember, Jesus said, all power in heaven and earth was given to me. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Paul tells us that Romans 1, 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. Isn't it an amazing thing to know, Titus, that the words that you speak, that the Bible that you're learning and that you're memorizing, it is the power of God to be spoken out of your mouth. You might go, I don't really have anything to offer people. You don't have anything to offer people? You have the spirit of a holy God that spoke the world into existence is what you've got. You have the words of eternal life. God didn't give it to you so you could sit at home and learn how to do stuff. He didn't do it so that you could live a life that impresses people. You know, I just, you know... I think that they're just going to see my life and, and they'll just be, they'll want to they'll be like me. Is that what the Bible says? The Bible says if they see your good works, they will glorify your Father in heaven, but it doesn't say they're going to get saved. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing how? By the word of God. And you go, well, I don't know what to tell people. Well, then you better read your Bible is what you should do. And you better learn your Bible and you better speak your Bible and you better bring it to them. But they were living in this day, this day where in 1 Corinthians, he brings this out because when Paul says, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, you know, Paul said, I speak in tongues more than any of you do. And we go, well, you know, that's not really very spiritual. This speaking in tongues thing is a bunch of goop. Oh, is Mark trying to get everyone to speak in tongues? No, I'm not. 
I don't care if you do, you don't, you believe it's real, you believe it's not, whatever. Paul said he did it more than everybody, and, he, and then he, gave, uh, he writes an entire chapter on how to do it the right way. How to do it the wrong way. How to be messed up about it. But he was living in a day where not only were they speaking in the tongues of men, they were speaking in the tongues of angels. But what does he say? Though I do that, is he glorifying that activity here? No. In fact, this is the opposite of that. He was saying, now, now, why would he say it if it wasn't something wonderful? Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love in my heart. I don't have charity in my heart. If I don't have that, then I am just like a sounding brass and tingling cymbal. If it wasn't something to, that was lovely and beautiful to him at this time, then why would he say that? Why would he make this statement? But everybody say, if you didn't have love, you didn't have nothing. This isn't a message on speaking in tongues. But when the Bible talks about it, you can't just ignore it, right? Because, you know, we don't do that at our church. Because they quit doing that, you know, thousands of years ago. And of course, God doesn't do stuff like that. There are people that believe like that. I don't actually believe that. Verse 2, though I have the gift of prophecy. Well, certainly that doesn't happen anymore. In fact, all these weirdos on YouTube that are giving their prophecies, I can tell you right now, I've watched several of them, and they're a bunch of weirdos, and they're not telling the truth, and they're not prophets. So does that mean there aren't any? Does that mean when your pastor gets up and speaks the word of God, God can't speak through him because there's a bunch of weirdos on YouTube and out here in the world saying a bunch of junk? You better hope to God that the gift of prophecy still exists today, and you better hope you're, you're, you're being a part of it right now. Because I'll tell you what, man's words of wisdoms and good ideas and great theology and a systematic approach to learning and education never saved anybody. The Bible said it is by God's Spirit. He says the letter kills, but the Spirit gives, it gives life. How many of you just want to hear it? Jonathan, you want to hear dead letter? You want to hear the letter of the law? You want to hear it? You know what? You can, and it will kill you, not in a good way. It will destroy you. You cannot live up to it. You cannot, uh, it is not going to fix anything. Nobody got saved by trying to obey and understand the intricacies of the law. The Bible says if there was a law given that could have given life, if there was, everybody say if there was. If there was a law given that could have given life, righteousness would have come by Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But life doesn't come through that. Mark, you're speaking like a crazy person today. You've lost your mind. Maybe. I'll just revert back to Paul. Well, if I'm crazy, then I'm crazy for Jesus. You guys might like it if I don't write my sermons, right? I didn't write this one. I'm just reading the Bible and talking to you today. Though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Could you imagine if Michael had the faith and he could say, you know what? We live in Mount Sterling and we don't really have a mountain. 
So I'm going to do it. What are you going to do? <laughs> I'm going to show you what I got. I saw this really cool mountain in southern Ohio. I like it a lot. And I believe it could be here in Mount Sterling. And why don't we just make Mount Sterling really mean something, okay? And I have all faith so that I can move. What did Jesus say about faith? The Bible says this, if you have faith, even the size of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. And guess what? It will be. And you go, well, Jesus spoke a lot of hyperbole. I don't know. We are reading the Bible here. Paul said, if you have that, though, and you don't have love, you have what? Nothing. You know, that doesn't sound like nothing to me, Jonathan. I mean, if Michael could make a mountain go from southern Ohio to Mount Sterling, I, I think that'd be something. But you know what Paul said? It's nothing. I would think if I could speak in the language of an angel, that'd be something, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be something? If I could speak in tongues and they could be interpreted and I had incredible faith and, and that I was, I, I, I'm telling you, you know what I think? I think that would be something. Well, the Bible says, yeah, it's something. But if you don't have love, everybody say nothing. Everybody say nothing without love. You start to get the point here. Verse 3, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. So he, he moves away from those that don't believe in miracles but those who believe in good deeds. And we got plenty of those people. I'm going to do so much good. Whew. Well, but though you bestow all your goods to feed the poor, and hey, just in case that isn't enough, Amy, what if you go ahead and give your body to be burned as a burnt offering? Like, that's, that's something. Check it out. Aha. You think you gave. I gave more than you. I uh, gave all my money. I sold all my land. I gave all my possessions. And then I was burned alive for God. You know what God said? It doesn't really profit anything. You're like, what? But I thought, I thought giving was important. And I thought, yeah, uh, yeah, oh, it is. It's fine. It's great. It's awesome, man. I, you know, what you did was so awesome. So then he starts talking. And when he starts talking, don't listen to these next verses as an instruction manual. This is more like a biological or spiritual definition. Has anybody ever like gone looking for a certain plant? Have you ever done this? Has anyone ever been taught how to find ginseng in the wild? Has that ever happened to anybody? My grandfather was an expert and he had a massive garden of ginseng. And he would take me out in the mountains in the summer, Joy. I mean, foliage. And he would go, we're going to go hunt ginseng. And I'm like, what? And he'd go and he'd go, well, you got to look for it. And I'm like, got to look for it. And I, I mean, imagine a million plants, right? There it is. And I'd be like, I can't tell it from anything. There it is. He'd go and he'd get down. He'd go, now here's what you got to do. It grows in the shade. It's usually on this side of a tree. Here's what it looks like this time of year. Here's what it looks like that time of year. And you go, and I'll tell you what. Uh, Sister Jackie, I went with him a hundred times. I never found a ginseng plant ever. It's not very distinct, okay? 
But you know what Paul does? Paul teaches us how to identify, by say identify, the love of God. So it's not obscure like ginseng. And so what Paul does, he's not going, here's how you pretend you have it. Here's what you got to do to go to heaven. He's saying, no, this is what it is. And if you don't have it, it doesn't matter what else you have. Is, is that clear enough? That's what Paul's saying. I mean, when you set out miracles and faith and mountains and tongues and prophecy and incredible things, but he lets you know that unless you have love, you don't have anything. What does that make you want? What does it make you understand you need to have? Makes me, makes me think charity suffers long. Charity's kind. This charity is, in many translations, just love, but there's a lot of different kinds of love. This, I like that they don't say love every time. I like that they say charity because it makes us say, what is, what's charity? I don't even know what charity. Charity is that spiritual growth from the inside of God's spirit coming to the outside. And they're wanting, God, Paul is wanting us to know what it looks like. Not so that you can imitate it, but so you can know if you don't have it. And you might go, well, what if I go through this list and I realize I don't have it? <laughs> There's a what if for you. You know, you should be praying. You should say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I've been, I've been wanting to be a prophet and a miracle worker and a tongue talker and a... Uh, an amazingness. I wanted to be the biggest giver there ever was. I wanted to be all of that. But what I realize now is that if I don't have your love, I don't have anything, nothing. Everybody say nothing. Isn't that what it says? Nothing. All that that seems like so much to us. You know, we just, we, we have these values on things in our life and we go, it's a lot, you know, but yeah, but they're not really very loving. Folks, that should, not be the, that should not be an aside. That should be the front end. Do you understand? Are you, are you following me here? Love is the front thing. It's like, you know what? Their church is a mess and it, it ain't very clean and uh, they, they, they can't figure anything out. They're, they're half stupid. They can't make a microphone work. Uh, you know, they, they, they. But you know what? There's love over there. It's not like, well, but they do got love. No, no, no. The Bible says if you got love, you got something. But if you have everything, but you don't have love, you have what? You have nothing. Now, you know what I do see in this church? I see love. And it makes me want to be here. It makes me want to be here. Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity doesn't envy Charity doesn't vaunt itself. It doesn't, it doesn't go around sticking its chest out going, I can't believe they let Stephen teach because I know so much more than he does. He's like not even married. Seriously? Now you may feel this way. If you do, keep it to yourself. 
I don't, see a, I don't see a church full of people clamoring to be the most important. I don't see a church full of people looking at each other and going, you know, you know, this person got a raise. Well, I hate them because I should have got the raise. Is that what you see in this church? I don't see that in this church. Now, I have other reasons for being glad when you all get raises because, you know, like we get more money in the, in the offering. Hallelujah. But the truth is, is that love, when, 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 when you see something happen in someone else's life, it's like it's happening to you. Like, Stephen, I'm so excited for you and Rachel. I'm so happy. The story that God's telling through your life, through your life, Rachel. And you know what? Not everybody could be happy for you. I'm not trying to be happy for you. I'm just am. Do you understand? Love, love enjoys watching others have blessings and goodness. Oh, Josh and Caitlin had a baby girl. Oh, I never got a baby girl. Why did they get a girl? All I got is ugly boys. Charity's not puffed up. Charity rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Charity bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You might go, oh, ow, ooh, mm, mm, ah. Okay, I thought I had love, but I'm pretty sure I don't now. Charity doesn't fail. You see, charity isn't you not failing. Charity is the Holy Spirit living in your life. Something I heard, I, did I tell you this or did I just tell the guys up here? One of the most powerful things that I heard this few weeks is, we are human beings, not human doings. Hang out with that for a minute. Oh, that sounds like hippie, whatever. No, that's, that's like, that's about as core to Christianity as it is. Amy, you don't have to do, and I know, I know you, you're, you're, I relate to that doer thing. And you can do, and I'm going to do stuff. You, you guys will see, I'm, I'm crazy. I will do things, I will write books, I will, I will be this crazy person in your life if you, if you still want me around, okay? But I'll tell you what, God doesn't need me to do any of that. The doing is really a gift to us, okay? But we can s sort of skip the being and go to the doing. And we need to understand that if we don't have love, what do we got, guys? We got nothing. So you go, well, how do I want to get it? Where do I get it? What, how many times do I have to do this to get it? How much do I have to pray? And how much do I have to read? And, 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 and how much do I have to sacrifice? And, 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 and. Here's the deal. Abide, Jesus said, abide in me. Spend time in prayer, talking to the Lord. Ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. You know what? I used to tell Jonathan, Nar Jonathan Narwhal, he's like a doer, 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 like me. But I don't need Jonathan. I love you. I'm like, I don't need you to do anything. 
I'm thankful that our bulletin looks great. I'm thankful that you like spent 1.5 zillion hours working on every stupid idea I've had. <laughs> Loving me as your friend and helping our church and all that. I love, I love, that's great. But there was a point in my life when I sort of started, to, and I'm not, I'm not trying to like call you out like you were doing something wrong, but, but there was a time in, in my relationship with you that I needed you to know, Jonathan, you don't have to do any of that, man. I just love you. And of course, we got to do something, so let's, let's do a lot more stuff. Okay. <laughs> but do you understand the difference? The doing that comes from being is a different thing than just doing stuff. And sometimes doing can take the place of being. You know, how many of you just want your wife out of duty, you know, just to come and, you know, give you a kiss once in a while? Stephen, you know what you're going to want? You're going to want your wife to kiss you because she loves you. Because that's a different kind of a kiss. God, this love that is birthed in us doesn't come from great exertion. It doesn't come from great discipline. It doesn't come from magnificent obedience. It comes from just sitting and understanding that Jesus is all that we are not. And sometimes we only get there. And you know, Paul, if you read about him, he's like, what, why do you think all these bad things happen to Paul? Do you, think, do you think God didn't love him, Michael? I mean, don't you think, if God loved Paul, he wouldn't have had him beat and stoned and mistreated and betrayed and put in jail and not believed and treated like trash and and shipwrecked and you know what I'm saying like what is all that about that was God's love because God was at work in his life in such an amazing way that God wanted him to understand weakness do you remember Paul's prayer about this he said you know I had this thorn in the flesh and it troubled me and I kept going to God and say take it away take it away take it away and God says no I'm not going to take it away because my strength is made perfect. Everybody say made perfect. See, we get to this word in 1 Corinthians 13. This perfect, what is that? It's matured. How many want to grow up? I do. How many want to grow up in love? How many want to grow up with love? You know, the greatest thing we have to offer is the love of Christ to each other, to this church to a world without love. I, I was in a hospital last night in a behavioral sciences unit where someone had completely lost it. And I sat and I heard about a life that had a lot in it. But you know what it didn't have? Love. And they're confused and they're messed up and they're sad and and you know, you know, Ashley, you know what I thought? I was thinking about this this morning. I'm like trying to get my hair in order. And it's, my hair is getting a little wild. I don't know if you guys know it, but it's a little bit wild. And trying to tame it down. And I'm like, I can't help them. I don't have anything to give to fix what's so broken in them, but I want to. And I was feeling sad about that. 
And the Lord was kind of letting me sit with it for a minute. And the Lord was like, but I do. And I'm like, well, God, how do you fix someone that's that broken? Joy can probably tell you. It isn't by a great miracle she saw. It isn't by someone's great sacrifice. But it's by that still, small voice of love that comes from God. That's the only thing that heals that, that fixes that. Charity never fails, but where there be prophecies, they'll fail. Whether there be tongues, they will cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect, everybody say that which is perfect. What is perfect? I think it's funny, the theologians that they get the idea that that which is perfect is this book. Like, yep, once it got published in all of its 66 books, that means that God doesn't need to be involved in our lives anymore. Really? I love the Bible. But the Bible says that this Bible by itself isn't going to save anyone. It's a book. Some of you might, well, are we throwing it away? Are we going Jim Jones? Yeah, right. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm, that's not what's going on here. You know, Jim Jones, you need, you know, he throws it on the ground. We don't need this, whatever. Really? This is, this is, this is all our instructions. We need to know it. We need to love it. We need to speak it. We need to study it. That ain't going to save you. It ain't going to heal the hurting people over there in the insane asylum. It ain't going to save these people that don't know if they're men or women or don't know if they're gay or whatever they are. These people that have been sexually abused, that have been mistreated, had their hearts broken, had their lives completely destroyed, live in poverty, live in ruts that are so deep and so dark and so crazy. There's nothing that can be done for them. There's nothing we have for them. Well, then who's going to save them? Jesus. And how's he going to do it? Through love. The Bible says we are to speak the truth in love. And if we do, that those around us will grow up and they will mature. That which is perfect has come. What is that? It's when we learn how to love. When, we, when the Holy Spirit takes us to the school of love. When coming out of us, what did Paul say? He said, how dwells the love of God in you? If you see your brother or sister in not have what they need and they're destitute and they're having difficulty, how dwells the love of God in you if you are not moved to do? So first you got to be, everybody say you got to be, and then you do. So it's not that there is no doing and we don't care and we don't want, I still want to give my body to be burned. If there's some way that God could work that out for me, I'd be thrilled. You might go, well, that sounds crazy. I don't care what you think. I would love to supernova for Jesus. I would. I would. That which is perfect has come, that which is in part shall be done away. 
talk about an odd turn in verse 11. If this is not what he's talking about, then what on earth does verse 11 mean? When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, what's he talking about? He's talking about growing up. He's talking about being matured. What did we hear in 1 John chapter 4? The love of God is perfected. It is matured in us. That's what living for God is. And yeah, we might do great things and we might get buildings or, you know, you know, I might say something and then it happens. Who cares? I certainly don't. I don't need another miracle in my life. I've had so many miracles, whatever. Maybe you haven't had any. Maybe you think if I had them. I had a Solomon moment, Sister Ashley. You know how Solomon goes, you know what? If you got all the money in the world, it don't really matter. Who can say that? But a guy that's had what? If you had any woman in the whole wide world, it ain't enough. Who can say that? But a man that's got a thousand wives, he can pretty much say it, right? I've seen them all. Every hair color, every eye color, every shape, every size, every nationality, every language. My God, you know what? I've had all the women in the whole wide world, and you know what? They just don't quite get it done for me. And here's what I'm saying. You might even laugh at what I'm saying. I'm telling you, this is what this is saying. I'm saying this. You know what? I have seen miracles. I have spoken and things have come to pass. God has sent me millions of dollars, blah, blah, blah. I've seen all that stuff. I don't need that. I don't need that to believe that God is real. And I don't really think the world just needs another miracle. I don't think the world needs another visitation of some light that comes down. Some manifestation where the Holy Mary's on the brick wall of the school over there. People come from all around and they cry. Oh, I think I can see if when the, when the sun hits it just right, there it is. And, and a thousand people, and this has happened around the world and, and it's weird and it's a phenomenon over there near Notre Dame. They have it. That, you know what? That's not going to change the world. You know what Jesus says, Will? Love. Greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Gee, the, the word of God is teaching us we can have a whole lot of stuff, but if we don't have love, what do we got? Everybody say, we got? We got nothing. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And when he talks about seeing through a glass darkly, what is he seeing? He's seeing that his miracles and that his great, amazing things and that all the wonderful and impressive and powerful and crazy events in his life, you know what they matter in comparison to love? Everybody say. That's what I want here in my life. That's what I want in this church more than anything. I want love to grow. And if we get anything else, that's fine. But I don't really care about cultivating much of anything or in this church as this pastor more than love. I want to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us so that we can reproduce. So that because what happens when you mature, you can do what? What does it even mean to mature? You can do what? You can reproduce. We've got spiritual babies that are coming. More than one person in this church is dreaming about it. I'm telling you right now, I love the book of Jeremiah chapter 31. I don't know if you heard what was going on. You see, God was speaking to Jeremiah and Jeremiah was speaking this out. 
And if you, if you don't know what was going on, see, th this was during the Babylonian captivity when their city is destroyed, their temple is gone, and they're off in a foreign land being held captive as prisoners. And he's going, God's going to do something wonderful. And he, he goes, let, let me tell you what's coming in your future. Well, there's no, th listening to that would be like, this is so unbelievably goofy, this cannot possibly ever happen. That's what Jeremiah 31 would be. You might go, oh, that was kind of pretty. It was nice. And, and that was hopeful. So they were living in the dungeons of Babylon when Jeremiah spoke these words. They didn't have any reasonable expectation that God was going to do what he was going to do other than that God had said that he would. And why did he say, he said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And he began to give them a picture of their future. I'm going to give you a picture of your future. I can do it. God is going to bring lost, damaged, destroyed, hopeless people. And we are going to see God give them hope. Fill them with his spirit. Out of these people that are so messed up that have never been loved. You know what? They're going to love And of all the things that happen to them in their life, there will be nothing greater that happens to them than that they will be loved by God and that they will learn to love other people. Nobody knows how to do that. The church doesn't even know how to do that. We need God to fill us with his Holy Spirit so that we can love people. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, for I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And you go, well, you know, he's just waxing. He's, he's offering a little doxology. Oh, well, you think so until he gets to the very last verse. And now abides faith, hope, and charity, but these three. But the greatest of these is charity. So what's, what's this whole chapter about? Is it about tongue talking and faith and miracles? Is, is it about uh, one day we're going to get a book and that book, well, well, we won't even need God anymore. We'll have that book and that's all we'll need. If that's you and if that's the life you want to live and you think you can live a life with this book without the Holy Spirit in your life, you should find somewhere else to be. You cannot find hope without the Spirit of God. You cannot be saved. You cannot have life. You cannot love. And you might be here today saying, I don't even understand what that kind of love is. Then you know what? You're in the right place. Because the Bible says if we ask for bread, is he going to give us a stone? The Bible says if we ask him for his Holy Spirit, he will give it to us. How many want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I sure do. I sure do. That's not a one-time event. That is a daily occurrence. That is something that we need. That is a constant thing. We need to be praying, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, let a river of life flow out of me. Lord, dwell in me. And if, you, if, if we abide in him, out of us, love will flow. Because without love, right? What do we got? We got nothing.
Let us pray. Lord, we're not hearing this like, okay, now, well, now we've got to be loving. And now we know what to do to be loving and, and, and let's just do that. And then, then, then we'll be okay. No, that's, that's not what we're hearing today. We're hearing that without you, we can't have love. We're hearing that without your Holy Spirit, we are devoid of the most important thing that we could have. Lord, sometimes we seek after the amazing and the miraculous and we, we seek after the, the great and the magnificent gestures, the grandiose selling all that we have, giving it to the poor, the giving our body to be burned, the, the operation of the spirit, the, the, the mystical whispers of supernatural power. Lord, it's all very appealing. But we've seen through the words of the apostle what it really is, it's nothing without your love in us and being shed abroad in our hearts and being given to others. It's nothing. Lord, we may get all of those other things, but Lord, may the principal thing, may it be love. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray your time with us was very encouraging. If it was, consider sending us a note and also consider partnering with us. 